Welcome everybody to Trick Zach Show. I'm here with Eric, Brian, our special guest today. We're going to Staten Island to talk to the man, the truth. How you doing, buddy? Cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. It's extremely cold outside right now for people who are watching on the West Coast, all four viewers out there who are in their luxury Arizona or, <laughs> or California hotels. It's very cold here in the Northeast. So, uh, truth, yeah. uh, you're close to us. We're in New Jersey. You're Staten Island. It's probably like a 20-minute ride um, out there. So, uh, we saw you perform at uh, the show with Ren Thomas probably like a month, month and a half ago already. Time has been flying, man. But, um, yeah. So Excited to have you on. Really dig your stuff. So first, before we get into your music and stuff, tell us about your background, where you grew up, how you got into music in general. Uh, well, from Staten Island, um, I just music's always been a part of my life. You know, everybody's got music in their life. I just, I don't know. You just feel like it's a little bit more part of your life when you decide to become an artist. You know, there's a certain type of love that you have for what music is able to do for you, you know, in healing and therapeutic wise and all kinds of stuff. And then when you're putting your own thoughts down on the paper, it becomes even more of that. So, you know, it's, um, I grew up listening to hip hop music just like everybody else. And, you know, one day we were stoned and freestyling and thus began the love for the art. And, uh, I had a knack for it right away, and, you know, I had good people around me to continue to encourage me and stuff, so, yeah, that's it, really. Now, the people you were around when you started, because um, I know when we started and uh, some of the raps we freestyled and said were some of the most god-awful stuff of all time, <laughs> when you look back on it, so, it's, like, <laughs> it's embarrassing to think of, like, back on it, so, like, when did you realize how far into it, and how old were you, by the way, if you don't mind me asking, when you started to do it? Uh, when do you, when you realize like okay this is something I could pursue, right? So I was I was like seventeen when I started, and um, me and a friend, me and like one of my closest friends, we went to Walmart like the very next day. We woke up and we bought like this twelve dollar stick microphone that plugs into the back of a PC, and then we got like a seven dollar music program. It was called Magic's Music Maker, and we actually recorded ourselves like from mm. then on and i have all of my shit still from yeah. like 17 and sometimes i'll just like pop it in or i'll just play it and it's fucking cringe man it's, it's like hard, so man. you mean you mean you don't you don't sit there like man this should have won a grammy <laughs> no <laughs> no Yo, but don't I'm try kidding. to tell you don't try to tell yourself that at the time though <laughs> no you know what it was you know it at the time, it was dope because there was, yeah. you know, everybody was like that, you know? Nobody was, yeah. like, super great, you know? I don't know anybody that made it at 17, you know? So anybody that was around, I was kind of above average than everybody else, I guess. But I, I'm I'm super realistic when it comes to this shit. I don't, I'm not, I don't, like, I know, like, my music is not the sound that's making millions of dollars right now. And I don't give a fuck about that shit. I, I want to make the music that I feel like making. And um, to answer the second part of that question, so I was 17 when I started, and then um, I didn't think I was good or ready until I was 30, 31. Mm. Wow. I felt like, um, well, I also took a six-year break. I started having kids and stuff, and, um, and I just went to work instead of continue to chase the dream and, you know, couch surf. So I, uh, 
I put it down. I put the music away and I went to work and um, I had a bunch of kids, you know, and I solidified my career and my family and stuff like that. And then, and then I slowly got back into it and the, it was just, it was, the music was different that I was creating. And I, when I started sending it to people, they were like, yo, that's, that's it. That's different. That's, that's, that's not what you used to be. And, you know, me and my friends, we laugh about it. And then they really pushed me again, you know, put something out. What's the worst that can happen? Put something out. And um, I did. I ended up putting out a project and got a little buzz for myself out, you know, on Staten Island. And, and it's been going well. But, uh, yeah, definitely the music at 17 was not Grammy worthy at all. I wasn't making <laughs> Grammy speeches, dude. <laughs> well, what's weird too at that age is like, like you said, no one's really doing it. I remember in our high school – no one recorded music. You didn't really know how to go about it. Like you had the little microphones that like, it always reminds me of the benefit cover with the CD. He had that little plug in microphone and you would just right, And you would just record into the computer and it'd be the most garbage shit. But the, you thought it was good. You thought it was yeah, good. Yeah. 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 I mean, we have some stuff that we like, Sometimes we'll send back and forth to each other, like every like so often reminiscing and shit. Because it's funny, like we would go to these house parties and and we would play this shit, and we have memories of some of these songs playing at parties and stuff. It's cool, it's nostalgic, you know. But I wasn't getting a record deal back then off of this shit. That's for sure. Your stuff might have been cool. My stuff could be used for Iraqi prisoner torture. It is that bad. I have one of the worst songs of all time. It's called Automatic. Oh, it's my favorite song I've ever heard. I was 16 years old. And Eric over here, he heard it. I played it for probably 10 years ago. He goes, this is the worst song I ever heard. And I laugh because that's just the general statement. No. No, seriously. Yeah, you, need, you know what, though? You need friends like that. You need friends like yeah. that. No, I was like, this is so like, bad. I wish that, I wish that 99, I wish that 100% of these fucking rappers out here had friends like that right. to tell them that mm -hmm. shit is whack, man. Yeah. He's just like, it's out. automatic. It's automatic. <laughs> that was the chorus. <laughs> no, the chorus was no words, but automatic flows absurd. You, you wish know you what? had it. Yeah. You know what I will what I will say what I will say is that um if there if I didn't have any potential and the music was really really bad like they I would have been told you know and yeah. and I would have recognized it I guess you know yeah I have a, an ear so I'm not mm. oblivious I don't think I'm great if I'm not great and um we I wouldn't have continued to do it if there was no like ability or talent yeah. so yeah. there was definitely potential right away it just came down to quality and song structure and you know finding your sound because it's hard when you first start rapping you just copy what you hear so you, you try to sound like everything you're listening to and you don't really have your own distinct lane and that comes with time and repetition and mm -hmm. continuing to you know, love it, and and then eventually it just come, it just comes out of you, dude. It, like I said, when I took that break and I came back, I just had so much to say because I was away for so long, and I also had a different perspective because I grew up a lot in that time, having kids and becoming a father and starting a career, and I just, it, just things were different. I looked at things different. I wasn't talking about the same stuff I was at, you know, 22, 23 than I was at 30, you know, so it just was, it was a different perspective, and I was able to uh, relate to a lot more people this way as well.
When you went from uh, like being living the family life 100% and then decided to slowly get back into music, was there something that triggered you to want to do that or were you just wanting to see if you still had it or what? What made you make that jump after so long? I was bored. <laughs> I really was. I, I was bored. I was, um, I never stopped writing. I'll say that. I never stopped like writing rhymes and freestyling in the car to beats and stuff like that. I'd be in the car with all my kids and my wife and we'll be driving and I got a beat playing and I'm rapping. So, you know, that never stopped. Um, mm. I just didn't record for a long time. And then, you know, um, I was like browsing the Facebook marketplace and I seen somebody selling the same microphone that I had before I stopped. And I said, um, well, that's, that's convenient. And it was like 200 bucks and it's like a $500 microphone. So I bought it. And then I said, well, I can't just buy the microphone. I need the audio box too. Right. <laughs> so, and I bought the audio yeah. box and then before you know it, I'm laying down tracks and sending them to people. And then that's really just kind of slowly happened. I just, never stop loving it or never stop thinking about it. But I, I was like bored. I wanted to, I wanted to put something together. And I never, I never was able to accomplish that the first time, like put a solid project out and I wanted to at least do one before, you know, I didn't want to have any regret getting older. I wanted to give it a shot. So that was really what it came down to. You know, everything in my life settled, like the dust settled. And it was like that one thing I was missing was I wasn't doing music and that's what I always loved to do. And it's what helped me become a man at, at, at a point. And, mm. you know, I wanted to get back to it. I just had that like gnawing feeling like I was missing something. And it, that was it. It was the music. As far as the, uh, the recording process goes, do you handle like all aspects of it? Like, do you have the the materials for recording and then do you do the mixing and stuff like that? I do everything, yep. So <clears throat> I have a studio in my garage and uh this also happened slowly. I just, you know, when I started doing music again, I said, All right, well, you know what, I I need a space to create. So I turned the studio into like a man cave slash uh the garage into like a man cave slash studio. And I do all my own mixing and mastering. I don't make beats, but I have producers that I work with. They send me beats. But I do all the mixing, mastering, recording, all by myself, too. I don't have, like, somebody sitting with me. I'm most, 99% of the time, I'm alone when I'm recording. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, the, first time, the first time you were rapping, um, and then you said you came back and you got a little bit of a buzz. Obviously, you're older. You know the, like the flow more the business what what did you take into account and what maneuvers did you make like that were able to make you get more of a buzz the second time around that you didn't do when you were younger well when i stopped all right so when i stopped rapping social media wasn't as big mm. but i stopped rapping in like 2013 let's say right yeah social media wasn't nowhere near what it is right now it wasn't as like, ex nah, I won't say as accessible. It wasn't not everybody, not everybody in their mother was on it. Right. So it wasn't really like that important to me. The industry hadn't moved from record sales to streams yet. So coming, coming back this time, I said, um, you know, social media is an important part of this. So what I did was um, I took what I thought was one of my best verses and I took 
cover art from my first project that I released in 2018 or 19. I took cover art from that. I put a 60-second clip together of one of the best verses with the cover art, posted it on Instagram, and had one post up. That's it. One post. And then what I did was I started going, I started finding other artists on Staten Island and then looking at their recent posts and seeing the people that were actively engaging with them, mm. who was commenting on their most recent post, and I was following those people. And wow. I did this with like 20, 30 different artists, managers, anybody that was on Staten Island that was doing music, hip hop music, I was doing this tactic with them. N not that, not to their knowledge, I was just doing it. And um, just hitting everybody that was actively engaging with their posts. Mm. And by following those people, they were automatically following me back. Mm. And there was a time where I had one Instagram post with like 3,000 views and I only had like 600 followers. And, um, and it had like 600 shares on it and that's how i built up um anticipation for like i was the new artist emerging on Staten island it was sort of like a mystiqueness about it hmm. right that's like, really interesting yeah who's this guy i never heard of this guy wow this is tough what is that you know like all of a sudden i come out of left field like ready to fire off hmm. people had no idea who i was because i had no relationship with anybody in the music industry on Staten Island at all. I knew nobody. I just came out. So what you're saying is we should go delete every one of our posts except one of them on our, our Instagram. <laughs> well, it's the thing. So, like, I have a focus, right? So my focus was to get people that are interested in rap music, right? Mm -hmm. So... Anybody who's following another rap artist on Staten Island is obviously another Staten Islander. So now they see me and I had this cover art with it's me standing like this with my arms crossed and I have this gigantic Staten Island sign behind me. Bright blue. So and that's the Staten Island ferry sign. So I have this so they're like Staten Island, who's that? So it was the it was it was like the intrigue of it. I don't know. It, it just worked. The 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 marketing of my cover art worked that way for me. So I'm not suggesting you guys do that, but definitely other podcasts that follow similar genres. Know, right. Yeah. You guys should be looking at their active <clears throat> um, followers that are always engaging with them and following them and trying to bait them to get them over to you. And that's, it's really, it's like, it's almost like not doing a mailing flyer yeah. and doing word of mouth. It's, it's a fucking petty tactic. But every morning on the express bus on my way to work, I was following a hundred people and on my oh. way home, I'm following another hundred. And if I had 20% return, I was gaining 40 to 50 followers a day. Yeah. And, and then I would just unfollow at the end of the week, the people that didn't follow me back. And that's how I grew it. That's, really? yeah, that's kind of like a tactic we kind of looked at recently. Um, but no, that's you went into it kind of like a movie preview. Like, all right, all right, like a movie preview's coming, and like a Batman. Brian's a big Batman fan. Like, it just you know it gets dark and it just shows the Batman logo twenty twenty one, and you're like, whoa, what the fuck? So you went that route with it, pretty much. 
pretty much. And I gave them 60 seconds of music. And like I said, I, I thought, I, I'm sure other people think too, it was one of the best verses on that project. So I gave it away kind of and said, here, and it just made people uh, gravitate. And then from that, I was put on um, a showcase with the sons of uh, the Wu-Tang members. I was put on a showcase with them, and I won the showcase. And I ended up going up to Hot 97. <clears throat> and um, this is 50, and hip-hop since 87. And I, I won a, a bunch of prizes from winning that showcase. And also the... the the clout on Staten Island for winning that against a bunch of other MCs that were already known for years out here and I was brand spanking new. The funny thing is, the Where I'm From video, I released that four hours before showtime for that show, for that showcase. So now everybody that was coming to that show who was looking at the artists that were gonna be performing was watching that video and that video, DJ Clue reposted that video. DJ Camillo reposted that video. Like, that video um, got me a lot of attention right before that show also. So I kind of walked in with, like, this confidence. Like, it was mine already. Uh, I, I'll pass this along. I just have one quick question. You said you won prizes. As someone who's an avid boardwalk game player, I love prizes. And I'm a big <laughs> fan of coffee mugs. Did they give you a coffee mug or no? No, nah, I didn't give oh, me coffee. It's funny you say that. My wife, one of my wife's side businesses, she does vinyl on coffee mugs. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> her, her, her business name is Look at yeah. Her Mugs. That's, that's so clever. <laughs> that's awesome. That's fucking funny. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple other questions, but I'll pass it to you guys if you got any. I don't want to hog the interview here. No, I was just going to say that I'd love. First off, I love when anybody breaks the Instagram algorithm, man. <laughs> Flat yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck all that social media shit. I see. I understand that it's part of the game. I understand that it's part of what you need to do. I don't uh, support kind of how fake it is, how everyone portrays a certain lifestyle, uh, the amount of, you know, you get judged based on the amount of followers you have. I mean, we encounter it like even when we when we message people to come on and, you know, they look at our following right away and it's like, yeah, hey, you know, we're not big, but we're trying to work our way up, you know, and it's it's difficult. So hearing so, like hearing a success like that, like when you break that, uh, it warms my heart. <laughs> you know, I'll say this about it. After a while, it stopped working. I'll tell you why, because. I had an app, right? So the app was the app that I was using was uh, a followers app, right? So I would use it to just so I would know who wasn't following me back so I could mm -hmm. unfollow them as fast and as much as possible. So I would be on Instagram and I would be scrolling all these pages and and following all these people that I thought would like my music and then some of them would follow me back and the ones that didn't, I would go on the app and check and if they mm -hmm. weren't following me back at the end of the week, they had plenty of time to check it. I would unfollow them. But then the app stopped working, and it would only let you unfollow, like, 10 people at a time. And then it would block you, and you'd be, like, banned from Instagram for, like, three days. Yeah. So I had to stop doing that. And then that's when my I stopped following people as well because then my following count was at, like, 7,500, but I only had 
you know, 6,000 followers. So I had to like balance it out. And then slowly I started weeding people out that weren't following me. And now I just keep it a hundred percent, you know, word of mouth, people sharing my shit. They follow me. Cool. You know, um, I think I have pretty good engagement. Um, I promote my post. You know, you have to promote your post yeah. even to reach yeah. your own followers. Yeah. Because yeah, there's yeah. only a certain percentage of your own followers that see your shit unless you promote it. So everything I drop, I promote so that I reach all my followers and some new. And, um, you know, the, you got to keep the engagement up. So uh, how much do you throw? Like when you, you did a... Um well, we drop videos as far as like uh, we do interview clips, like sixty second clips, and you dropped the video with Ren recently. So like that video, in a sense, that one sixty second, you promote stuff like that on your Instagram. Hundred percent. Yep, I promoted that. I promoted that. I threw um fifty, I believe fifty dollars on it, and I let it run for four days. So it's like I don't know, twelve bucks a day yeah. or some shit like that. And um, and I targeted um within fifty miles of Staten Island, so I got some of Jersey, I got some of you know um, Brooklyn and 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 Long Island and stuff, and and that's really I just target the tri-state area most of the time because that's where my sound is. Mm. Maybe it's my target audience. I'm not clicking right. I always click like animal lovers, even if it has nothing to do with animals. Yeah, you probably should. You probably should. <laughs> Uh, figure out what your demo is and then target them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm glad it's you funny, brought it. It's funny because we both have access to the account, so I'll look at it sometimes and I'll see that he promoted something, but I won't see the likes on it. I go, what the fuck is he promoting? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Animal you know, I would I would suggest that um take a clip of like something funny or something insightful that happens during the interviews, like target a specific clip and then use that to your advantage. Like if somebody's talking about Instagram algorithms, let's say like me, if you're going to promote part of my interview, promote that. Mm. The truth yeah. of Staten Island talks about in breaking the Instagram algorithm and then boom, tag Instagram, Instagram algorithms, algorithms, all down the line, you go like that, likes, follows, all that shit. And then, and then you promote it that way and you might see more if you're promoting it to what somebody's actually talking about. Because then when people click that hashtag, algorithms, now they're seeing somebody talking about breaking the algorithm. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm glad you brought up earlier, though, with the whole social media thing, because in 2013, it really wasn't as popular and what's annoying now is like it seems like we're around the same age is you know we grew up after the eight mile boom where you had to go battle at parties and prove you you didn't really make tracks so you knew you were good if you had to battle at a party like or, or right. just rap freestyle and now you got some fucking glory hole who just posts one video on youtube and thinks he's <laughs> sorry and thinks he's a goddamn fucking star and and it's so frustrating because bro you put one song out in like fucking two years you're not a star you have no idea what it's like to walk into a room and be like oh you can rap go ahead spit a 16 nah. I mean, it used to yeah. bother me a lot i don't know if it bothered you it's it, I've just accepted that this is the way it is. You know, there's nothing that you can do to change it. It's the generation. Everything is people want to see things, you know, they just they want instant. They want to see. And, um, you know, it's oversaturated. The game is oversaturated. You know, I, I, I 
me and Red, Ren had the same conversation, you know, when we were shooting the video. We were like, what the fuck else we got to do? Like, well, yeah. I don't, we, we just don't get it. We don't, it doesn't, we don't understand because had this been 93, right. it would be a wrap, you know, no pun intended. But, but you know, it, it's just, it's a different generation and the people are, I broke it down this way, psychologically, if you look at it, right? So we're in the generation where everybody wants to do drugs and party and nobody wants to work and nobody wants to earn anything. So <clears throat> psychologically, people run away from their problems now. Back when I was a kid, I had to face my problems. There was no way to run away. There was no, you know, yeah, we had drugs and shit, but it wasn't not nearly as like um, sensationalized as it is now. Now it's okay to pop perks and fucking... There's you a know, lot of outs. There's always right. outs for everything. There's conditions, all the isms. Oh, I have this ism and right. I have that ism. I could take right. this pill, that pill. Right. Yeah. right. So my take on that is that, you know, the music reflects that, right? So now when kids listen to music now, they just want to hear that shit. They don't want to hear the turn up. They want to hear the party. They want to escape mm -hmm. their, their reality. So... But when I was a kid, I wanted to hear DMX, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Like, yeah. I, that's the shit that I needed to hear because that's, that's where I was. I was facing my issues. I wasn't running away from them. So psychologically, that's really what it is. There's no balance. There's not enough um, accountability when these kids are fucking around and they don't want to hear how they have to take responsibility for being fucked up. They just want to go to the next party. So, uh, and I want to I go into Eric. I know that you experienced that going to, like, frat parties and stuff when you were in college. You were going in there listening to Slaughterhouse and stuff, and they, yeah. they were playing more of the stuff the truth is talking Asher, about. Asher Roth and stuff, and, all, like, that's all that anybody listened to. That party last night was awfully great. I'm sitting here, Slaughterhouse! Yeah. <laughs> a big difference. Everyone's looking at me like, are you from the ghetto? I'm like, nah, this shit's fire, though. Yeah. You know, there's no... <laughs> There's no color or culture when it comes to music, in my opinion. There's, you know, and that's another thing that makes it kind of tough right now mm -hmm. is that um, we're so divided, not just as a country, government, all that shit. We're just divided um, in hip-hop as well because mm -hmm. right now, and, you know, everything is, you know, anti white, fuck white people and, you know, Black Lives Matter, and it doesn't matter if you're a white person saying Black Lives Matter and agreeing with systemic racism and agreeing with that side, it doesn't matter. You're still white. So mm. at the end of the day, um, it's harder now to become accepted into this hip-hop culture. Just look around. You know, just look around. Look at, look at the top ten. You know what I mean? And um, it just makes it difficult. That's another thing me and Ren talked about. You know, it's... It's I'm not gonna difficult. name. I'm not gonna name names either. But um, I'll say the only way it's more accepting is if you kind of pander and do this whole white guilt thing. And I don't feel like you're the type of dude who's gonna sit there and do that, honestly. Well, I've dropped some. I've dropped some innuendos, of course, because it's on my mind. But I'm not gonna be out there, you know, throwing a pity party. Like, accept mm. me. I know I'm white. I love you. you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna do all of that. You know. I, I know who I am. The right. people from my neighborhood know who I am. Right. You know, I don't I don't need to like validate it with the internet. You know, yeah. so you know, I could walk around and be comfortable standing outside my corner store with half the neighborhood around me. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm just a regular kid from the neighborhood. You know, they don't look at me different. 
It's the outside world that doesn't know who I am. They look at me different. You know? Yeah. Do you know what? We get called, I get called culture vulture. You know, that's why I said it in that in that woo shit song. They call me uh, <clears throat> um, what did I say? The bar was uh, they call me a culture vulture because I got the ghost face. I fell in love with hip hop first time I heard ghost face. You know, like so. Yeah. It's like that. Hmm. Well, you know what the funny thing is? Is I feel like. Um, I mean, hip hop, uh, just our day to day conversations are all casualties of a bigger problem. Sure. And it's, it's just the continued division of people and it's, they, it could, it gets split anywhere you can. So like, we're just talking about hip hop because that's where we're all based in. That's what we're looking at right now. But I mean, it's in all facets of America in general. Well, I mean, that's that's the root of it, right? So the root is obviously the media pushing this racial propaganda mm -hmm. shit all the time. They shove it down our fucking throats all the time. And um, it creates opinions, and everybody's allowed mm -hmm. to have that opinion, you know? But um, educate yourself a little bit. Understand what's really going on. You know, I don't, I don't ever get political on, uh, on social media. I'll never get political or religious, but... Um, I definitely have my own opinions and my own views. I just choose not to share them because then it gives people a reason to fucking talk shit, you know? And um, I don't need that. Just That's enjoy the music. I don't want to take away I don't want to take away from the music, you know? I'm here for the yeah. music. I'm not here for any of that other shit. That's nice. That has nothing to do with the music. You said something interesting, though, like you could just hang out at the corner store and you're just the same old, like, neighborhood kid. You know, yeah. and I said that to people. I have my views, too. We've been uh, we've been over it on this show a lot. I'll start to worry when the people I grew up with of all races and colors who are my best friends start to talk to me and say, all right, you're going a different way. You need to watch it. When people 3,000 miles away are talking on the Internet about me, you don't know me. Like, I don't right. know. Fuck. When the people closest to me who've known me since I was four years old, who know who I am, what I've been like since I've been in Little League or whatnot, when they start to talk to me, I have a problem. Then I'll start to fucking listen, you know? Right, right. No, and you're totally right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but public public perception goes a long way when you're a fucking artist. You know, you have to you have to have public opinion favor you you know so um or else you're just never gonna get anywhere as an artist so i you know i tend to stay i stay out of it that's it i'm not gonna speak on it like that and i let i let i let bygones be bygones you know where i'm from i shake everybody's hand man nobody there's no i don't have any beefs nobody nobody really bothers me i'm good people just have too much of a problem or trouble separating opinion from fact and Everybody's entitled to their opinion on things. Every you could feel however you want to feel about something, as long as your opinion is not physically hurting somebody or right. suppressing people. Then let everyone have their yeah, opinion. Yeah. Like I don't understand why it's so difficult for that to be acceptable anymore. It's crazy. Because now, now everybody <clears throat> can say whatever they fuck they want yeah. on here on Facebook and Instagram mm -hmm. and not get punched in the face. I no agree. With that. Yeah. yeah. There's no consequences for saying crazy shit anymore. Now you can say whatever the fuck you want. Basically, some and, dude, no. and if somebody responds and, 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 and punches somebody in the face, then they say, oh, that's the guy that did it. They point fingers. There's no more. 
there's no more let's shoot the fucking fade behind the gas station and settle it man to man. There's no more of that. There's no more of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're going to hit me, I'm calling the police, you know? How? Even though what you said warrants a fucking punch in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. How was it? Because we talked <laughs> uh, to touch on that real quick. I know that on the show you brought up this one, uh, the newcomer, the young kid, you rap a Migs. So how was yeah. it like working with like a younger kid and trying to instill like the old style culture or rap in them? And if he wasn't... I don't. I was. If, I don't want to say like you're a gatekeeper, but like if you didn't deem him like good, you wouldn't. Would you have worked with him, or you knew he had to be like dope to work with a younger kid? It's a little bit of everything. First of all, he comes from his father is um, actually both of our managers, and he is a hip hop head to the core. So the kid grew up with hip hop, so he knows ready to die and life after death and he knows the classics he 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 knows where hip-hop comes from so he just chooses to make the music more geared towards his, gen- his generation because that's just the music that he likes to make and i don't judge that and i like him as a person you know first so that that weighs heavy also i don't just like i don't just um want to work with people because of the following count or because of any um underlying like motive i i work with people that i fuck with that i like you know um it's funny ren it i somebody sent me he posted something once like a year and a half ago send me a hot 16 if i like it i'll jump on it my boy sent it to me and he's a big fan of ren so i said all right, let me look at him. So I looked at him. I'm like, yeah, he's nice. I'll, I'll do a song with him. You know, like, and right. I didn't even know he was on that fucking VH1 show till the day we shot the, our last video. Really? I didn't, even, I didn't even, I didn't even know, bro. I just, some, I think my wife asked me who I was doing the video. Was like, oh, that kid Ren. Remember I did that one song with him back in the day? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. And then she put him on YouTube. And then I seen the VH. I was like, holy shit, he was on that fucking show? I didn't even realize, like, he was on VH1. I didn't know anything like he had. He was on tour. I didn't know anything about that. I just liked his music. We had a conversation. It was a dope vibe. He could rap. He sent the verse back. It was fire. I was like, all right, here we go. This is good. And then I just put the music out. And then and then uh, fast forward a year later, I did we did the Gothels record. I sent it to him. He's like, hell yeah, that shit's fire. He sent me back a fire verse. Boom, we did the video. And that's when I was like, let me YouTube him. My wife is YouTubing him on the fucking TV. And and that's when I started seeing all his freestyles, all his videos. It was never, it was never like and sort of like the same thing with Nems. I seen Nems on Instagram one day. Somebody sent me his shit. I liked him. And um, I liked his clothes. So I was like, yo, I need a, I need a fucking hat. So I hit him up. I hit him up for a hat. He pulled up on me, gave me a hat. And then I seen him at, like, a couple other events. He was actually at um, the showcase that I won on Staten Island. He was there that night. And um, China Mac was there. Wu-Tang was there. It was a crazy night. I met Method Man that night for the first time. Mm. And um, so then Nems, I was like, yo, I want to do a record with Nems. And then, boom, did a record with Nems. And 
That's it. I just fuck with people that I fuck with. I never, it never has anything to do with like, um, they're young or they're old or they got this status or that status. So the kid Migs is, um, he's inspiring to me too because he opens up a different door for me, like to get on that trap beat that we, that song we did together. You know, I have a wide range. I just choose to stay in Boom Bat, but I could definitely be flexible and, um, hit different subgenres of hip hop. So he brings that out of me too sometimes. Uh, truth, um, I, we have a final segment we get to. Um, it's a gun to your head. My bad, segment. I'm rambling. No, 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 no. Trust me, trust me. I, I enjoy talking to everybody we have. I, just to get different perspectives is amazing. Honestly, like when we met the first night, like you never know the vibe you get with someone. You're like, oh my god, I don't know, are we gonna get along? But it's really, this is really awesome. The insight you're giving us. I know Eric. Yeah, at, at shows, at shows, I'm fucking nervous, bro. Just like <laughs> anybody else would be, you know. I, I never met any of those people. I only knew Ren and I knew Bob Lee beats and. And then I brought a few people. So performing in front of new people is always nerve-wracking. And then you don't know how they're going to receive you. And people, you know, seem to like me. So, I, you know, I handed out some cards and stuff. And then, you know, I'm open to everybody. I'm just, you know, I kind of keep myself reserved. I don't want to seem over, like, anxious or anything. So I kind of uh, keep the, you know, the fuck you face on, you know? I got to <laughs> I gotta take notes from there. I am such a beggar. I come and just <laughs> ask for anything. <laughs> Hi, look at me. Please do a song. No, but uh, Eric. You don't, get, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. <laughs> right. so. Yeah. Eric, uh, watch your recent video. And I don't know if yeah. you want to touch on that before we get to our final segment. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, I, I saw that video and I was like, damn. Well, first of all, how did you get all that footage? And how are you allowed? You know, is that like, where did you get that footage from? It's like a lot of just random shootings. And is that all of New York? It's like really seeing people get shot and killed. Yeah, um, so that song is part of a project out here. It's a options project by this uh, pretty dope producer called Fitz, the description. And um, he hit me one day and he said, yo, we're doing an anti-gun uh, violence, not anti-guns, anti-gun violence mm -hmm. uh, project and about shootings and, 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 you know, crimes in the neighborhood and stuff like that. He's like, yo, you want to jump on it? I'm like, absolutely. Sends me the beat. I snapped on that shit. And then um, Jojo Pellegrino was supposed to get on that. And for whatever reason, he didn't. We ended up getting B-Easy Music on it. So mm -hmm. when, I, when I got the idea for the video, I, there's this page I follow on um, Instagram called Loyalty of Death. And uh, they got a pretty big following. And they're, um, you know, they post video clips like that with rap music. And, uh, and I was like, that's a good idea. I'm going to steal the hat. You know, and uh, I just basically took a few of his clips and then I just YouTubed a lot of shootings and screen recorded and clipped them all together. It just, I just stole everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that but, shit was wild. I wasn't expecting that at all. I was like, oh, this, this poor lady is crying about, you know, her kid that was killed. Then all of a sudden you just start seeing people getting blasted for, like, it felt like. So I wanted, I wanted to show the reality of what the fuck it looks like. This is what it looks yeah. like when, yeah. when when you die or when you fucking take somebody else's life. This is what, this is the reality of it. We could talk about it till we're blue in the face, but this shit starts in our own neighborhoods. And unless we have people giving these kids knowledge of what it's like out there, they're just going to continue to repeat the process. So my, my whole thing was bringing reality to the table to it. You know, I, I call myself the truth. 
I'm known as the truth. I wanted to give the truth in that video. And I wanted that shit to hit people in the stomach when they watched it. And that was the point, you know, um, and thus I ended up stealing a whole bunch of clips, but <laughs> you know, that was, that was the thing. I just wanted to bring the reality to it, brother, you know, and yeah. I, I feel like I got that point across. No, yeah, it's very, it's it's very powerful. Yeah. 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 It did that perfectly because it's like you have, I mean, for kids, at least if you're not, even if you're not a person that's never seen anything like that, the only time you see someone shot down is in a movie and right. that shit's not real. Like right. when they get shot in the chest and they're like, Oh, come closer. Oh, let me have a four minute conversation with you <laughs> as I'm dying. It's like, nah, you just got shot. You're fucking yeah. dead. No, like, that video is the reality of death. That's yeah. what it looks like. That's what a fucking that's what getting shot or shooting somebody really looks like. It's not a movie. This is real. Somebody just died. Somebody lost their son, brother, best friend, father. That's what it is. That's the reality of it. And that's why I uh posted it like that. Oh, well, we yeah. can you know, segue. The producer, me and me and Fitz had a little back and forth about it too, because he was like, "Yo, man, that shit hits too close to home for me." You know, mm -hmm. uh, don't be upset if I don't repost it. I'm like, and I understood, and I told him my perspective, and he respected it, and we just went like that. But you know, there was a little bit of like hesitation with that because mm -hmm. that video um is very strong, and it is. I, I'm surprised it's still up. I thought Instagram would fucking take it down by now. You have to click on it. Does give like a graphic violent um, yeah. warning yeah. and whatnot. That just makes people want to click on it more. Right. I was happy yeah. when it got that thing on it. So, because uh, I'm an awesome host, let's segue into a gun to your head segment <laughs> right, <laughs> right now. Yeah, oh, shit. No, but um, so, you know, I want to just touch real quick. The producer's name is Fitz the Description. Yeah, Fitz. That is, P that is, the greatest that is such a clever fucking name why can't i think of something like that fits the description yeah so cool scott the rapper yeah, yeah scott the rapper that's all i could come up with all right so the truth what we do here on our final segment is um it's a gun to your head right um and we ask two questions each they're kind of wordplay involved. It's not your typical Bud Light or Coors. We, you know, we, we kind of do some weird twists with words, and we each ask two questions. You answer them, and you got to pick your favorite question, and the winner is your favorite question, okay? Okay. okay. Don't be nervous. I mean, I haven't won in a while, but you don't have to be forced to pick me. So we'll <laughs> okay. Eric, you go first. Start it off, because I know you write these down as you go, and I'm trying to No, I didn't. I was listening the whole time. Uh, yes. Would you rather? Would you rather have a flat tire and a snowstorm, or only wrap satire? Stupid. I have to answer, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, flat tire and a snowstorm. Oh, okay. Would you rather uh, remove snow from your driveway with only your hands, or cut your grass with scissors? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh... <laughs> you know how long that would take. <laughs> Seriously, uh, probably cut grass with scissors. Uh, your neighbors would look at you. What are you doing, guys? Your hands. Yeah, my grandma's <laughs> neighbor used to do that. This lady would bend down and cut it. She was from like Vietnam or something. She would just cut her, cut the grass like that. Anyway, was probably fucking making tea or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go next. We'll let Brian finish this off. So. Would you rather have a best friend? Would you rather be best friends with David Schwimmer or have a best friend named David who's an Olympic swimmer? David Schwimmer. 
Oh, really? Not a yeah, because he's funny. He's <laughs> corny as hell, but he's funny too, bro. And he had a monkey, so that was cool. <laughs> okay. That's would all rather... you need. <laughs> okay, would you rather always have no traffic on the George Washington Bridge or play a game of bridge with George Washington? <laughs> no traffic on the George Washington Bridge. <laughs> fucking for sure. What is a game of bridge, watch. though? It's a card game. It's a card oh, game. Oh, oh, where you stack the cards? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, pass. <laughs> Sorry. Brother, no traffic, then meet George Washington. <laughs> yeah. That's how you know you're in New York. Did you really <laughs> chop down a cherry tree, you wooden mouth bastard? <laughs> right, you're up. <laughs> All right. I'll have him sign the dollar bill. <laughs> that, nobody will believe it. <laughs> <laughs> nobody would believe it. Yeah. No, this is really him. Yeah. <laughs> we played bridge. What do you mean? <laughs> you mean to tell me you played bridge instead of alleviated traffic? <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> it's going to be such a selfish move. Yeah. You're going to help mind. everyone. All you got was a signed dollar out of it. <laughs> what a One selfish, dollar. the most selfish move in the history of the universe. They go <laughs> <and get> <laughs> All right, let's stop laughing at Scott's question because now it's going to stand out. Oh, it's you knew what you were doing. Let's forget about it. Isn't that funny, guys? <laughs> All right. Would you rather be a character on Lilo and Stitch or have to stitch up a guy named Lilo? <laughs> uh, a character on Lilo and Stitch. My kids love that movie. <laughs> Would you rather have to eat Taco Bell every day for a year or have to ring a bell every time you want a taco? <laughs> <laughs> uh, ring a bell every time I want a taco. You're not just talking about eating Taco Bell for a year, you're talking about diarrhea for a year. Every day <laughs> for a year. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Taco uh, Bell's so good, I once found a piece of wood in it and I just flicked it aside and didn't even complain. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh a true story. God. That's a true story. Plus, they give I out sporks. That's real. So this KFD, Scott. Whatever. What's your favorite question now? You got big one. It's the George Washington. It's, got, it's a huge win for me. I've been in a slump. I Bullshit. really have. You fucking manipulated this just yeah. like he manipulated the Instagram algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> that was clever. That was a clever question. And it was like, yeah, we're New Yorkers. We hate traffic, of course. Yeah. Hey, guys, I got this. I played a game of bridge with George Washington, and you didn't clear traffic, you fucking ass. <laughs> I think 90, I think 100% of New Yorkers would pick clear traffic, 100%. Yeah, probably. No way around that. All right, uh, Truth, where can we catch you? Uh, plug your Instagram, any stuff you got coming out right now. Instagram, the truth underscore statin. That's really my landing ground. I'm chatty on there, so, you know, send me a message, hit me up. Follow me, listen to my music, let me know what you think. And uh, I got a project coming out with Frank B, probably the end of January. Uh, Frank B was an artist back in the mid-2000s. He was signed to Violator Records under Missy Elliott. But um, he has like a similar situation with me where he gave up music and now he's kind of re-emerging. And um, me and him are doing a project together called Bad Fellas, where we kind of talk shit about the Italian gimmick in hip-hop. And how it's so fucking Thank overdone. Thank God. Thank God. And it's so corny. 
it's you know, and Dominic, Dominic the donkey could go fuck himself too. Right, with his yeah. own donkey. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you're addressing that. <laughs> it's so corny. Oh, yeah. I'm so tired of hearing every Italian rapper talk about the mafia and how they're connected and how they got a guy. And I'm just so <laughs> tired of that shit. Like, I'm so... I, me and him both, you know, we're over it because we don't, we don't, we don't focus on that in our music, you know. But I, I guess that's their angle, their gimmick, or whatever. So um, that stereotype hard. Right. It's exactly. It's just stereotypical. It's like a fucking Chinese guy rapping about Bruce Lee every time he raps. Yeah. It's annoying. It's annoying. We get it, bro. You drink espresso. We get it. Your flag <laughs> is green, white, and red. We get it. It's sauce, not gravy. We get it. We get it. Who says gravy? It is uh, Americanized <laughs> Italians. Because, listen, gravy is not even, there's not even a word in the Italian language that translates to fucking gravy. Gravy is an right. American-made word. So sauce in Italian is salsa di pomodoro. There's no fucking gravy. We, we don't even have a word for gravy. We say gravy. That's, oh, no, wait. You're talking word. about turkey gravy. Yeah, it's gravy. Well, I thought you were talking gravy. about pizza yeah. sauce. I was like, yeah, it's no, yeah. That's not gravy. No, no. That's gravy is sauce. gravy. Turkey gravy. gravy is gravy. Yes. That's right. Gravy. I agree with you. Really quick, man. Thanks for coming on. This was really cool. I hope you had a great oh. time. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. No, no. This is I, I love these things, you know, because you get to just talk and be yourself. It's not all, you know, business. I hate business talk. Yeah, and you that. get to talk about George Washington and the game of brother. <laughs> that was a good question. That was, definitely, that was definitely a good question. Scott, <laughs> tell me again I had a good question. <laughs> I don't win a lot. I have to savor these things. Next time you see him, remember I asked you about the bridge? Remember the guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, next, the next show, he's going to be like, bro, you want to play cards? <laughs> <laughs> I play bridge. <laughs>